0: Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. You believe that it's two weeks, 14 days till Christmas. I mean, like, two weeks' time, it's Christmas Eve. Christmas is coming. And even if you weren't aware that it's actually two weeks away, it's really hard to miss Christmas. Do you agree with me? I mean, you go to the shops... The shops have been full of decorations. I think I saw the first Christmas decorations way back in October. So the shops are full of Christmas decorations. You can't go anywhere without carol music on or Justin Bieber singing his Christmas carols. So they're playing everywhere. Our TV, social media, letterboxes, everything is full of Christmas uh, paraphernalia. Um, Our car parks... Road rage, car park rage, because people are trying to get a car park because they've got to go shopping to do their Christmas shopping. And there's an endless plethora of Christmas uh, pageants and uh, school activities and ceremonies and all that. Christmas is coming. And you know what? While it's hard to miss Christmas, what I've discovered in my own life and in the lives of people I know that we might not miss Christmas, but often we can miss Christmas. Jesus in Christmas. And the problem is that's not a unique thought just to our generation and what we're living in. It's hard to believe. I mean, Christmas essentially is the opportunity that we take to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And missing Christmas is, is like getting an invitation to a birthday party. You go out and you buy a present. You get dressed up. You attend the party. And in the middle of the party, you're like, so why are we here? Like, what's, what's the deal? What's this all about? Or perhaps it's next Saturday night and our team who've been working hard on the Christmas spectacular, Nay and Dan and the team, they're singing and they're doing all the things and backstage, Nay's like, like, what, what's the point of what are we doing this for? And yet there's a real opportunity that while there is Christmas and it's around, many of us can actually miss Jesus in Christmas. And it's not so much that it's just us. This is a phenomenon that goes back to the very first Christmas. I mean, the people who experienced the first Christmas, who weren't just watching the nativity or watching a dramatisation or watching a play about it, they were living it, they were experiencing it, and some of them missed. Jesus in Christmas. And before we get too sort of hung up and point our fingers at them, I want to spend some time this morning to think about why that could have been. I want to look at maybe one of the characters in that account and see what happened that caused them to experience a Christmas. And so the subject or the title of my subject this morning is Christmas. Miss, Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, chris Miss," It's awesome. And I'm going to look at the innkeeper this morning. And I want to start with a disclaimer. Okay, just want to start with a, a disclaimer that we're not to kid ourselves. This message isn't for the unchurched only. Just because you and I come to church, whether it's once a month, once a fortnight, or like me, every time the doors are open... It doesn't make us immune to missing Jesus at Christmas. So I'm going to ask you, we're going to turn to our Bibles. We're going to read from Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 2 to 7. If you don't have your Bible with you, it will be up on the screen behind me. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So in my time this morning, I just want to quickly share, these are my thoughts, it's what I see when I read this scripture, but I think things that practically can help us to not experience a Christmas This year. And the first thing that jumps out to me about this innkeeper is that he was preoccupied. I mean, it's hard to imagine that if somebody knocked on your door, you open the door, and there is a heavily pregnant woman standing there, and you're an innkeeper, that you could look at her and say to her, I'm sorry, love. There's no room here, but I wish you good cheer and on your way. Best of luck to you. I mean, really? Every part of me says, what kind of jerk would do that? (laughs) But I'm conflicted because I totally get how he can be so preoccupied with everything that's got to be done. He probably didn't even see the fact that she is heavily pregnant. I mean, remember, let's take a time to look at this innkeeper. The Caesar has pronounced a decree. He everybody go back to your hometown. I want to count every so everybody is on the move. So here's a businessman who's like, this is like opportunity galore. My town is filled with possibility. My town is filled with the opportunity of me to make some money. He's an innkeeper. So he's like, hey, this is cool. I mean, he's probably got them racked and stacked everywhere they are. His house is full. He's got the no vacancy sign flashing on the front door and he's loud and proud about it. Sound like anybody you know? Opportunity is around all the time everything there's opportunity for us to get involved and to do things we're living It's like because i don't know when the bubble boasts it's kind of like when covid lifted and it was like everybody we couldn't do anything for ages but suddenly the boundaries are taken off suddenly the restrictions are gone and everybody's out everybody's doing it. and this innkeeper's like well i'm making hay while the sun shines and here's an opportunity for him he's i mean he's got to think about it he's busy his rooms are full. He's looking after his guests. He's cleaning up after them. He's preparing for them. He's remaking the room for the next one. He's busy. He is at capacity. And before we get very, very critical of our innkeeper, we have to understand that you and I are also like the innkeeper. We live with a capacity. I mean, he was honest. His room was full. His inn was full. There was no room for them to come into his establishment. And often that's a picture of you and I, our rooms are full. We have a capacity just like the inn that we can't keep adding things to our life and then when there's another opportunity, something has to go. He was preoccupied with everything that had to be done. Just like you and I, there are things that are vying for our attention. We work Potentially we're studying, we've got family, we've got social lives, we've got personal needs and things. So much is going on. And Christmas comes along and it's only exemplified already to my busy schedule. I've got Christmas parties I've got to think about. I've got family traditions that, you know what, we just have to do them because we've always done them this way. There's Christmas preparations to be made, you're hosting things, there's uh, school activities that have got to be done. I'm at capacity and the world is expecting me to continue to add more things to my life. I don't know about you but I'm not just only making lists and checking it twice, I'm checking it three times, four times, five times. Have I actually got everything done that needs to be done? And the danger is it leaves us feeling frazzled. We're feeling exhausted. We're feeling overwhelmed. We get to the point where we're like I just can't wait for Christmas to be over. Yeah. It's like Christmas, like I wish it just didn't rock up this year. <laughs> and it's not right. We're talking about a wonderful opportunity we have to share about the love of God to our neighbours and to our friends and to our families. And many of us are experiencing a Christmas Because we quite frankly are saying, Jesus, there ain't no room for you in this inn. Am I talking to the right people or am I just talking to myself? Just like the inn, we have a capacity. There's only so much we can do. So much energy, so much resource, so many hours in a day. And once we've spent them, we can't do any more. And I just want to note this. It's not always bad sinful or evil things we fill our lives with. I'm saying we just fill our lives. Like I said, it's not a sinful thing. He was a businessman. It's not a sinful thing for him to rent out his rooms. People are knocking. It's not bad. It's the problem that he's living at the capacity. He's got no margin within his world. So when opportunity comes, he doesn't have, he's legitimately saying, I just can't. There's no way I can make room for you. And I always think back to when our kids were younger. Um, We've only got BJ now at home, but we're a family of five. So we used to always say to our kids, there are five people in this house. So when it comes to extracurricular activities, we're putting a limit on it. And our three kids all had a limit of two things. Two things. I don't care if they're two sports, two musical things, one sport. I don't care how you spend your two things. You're only spending two things. And I sit with parents who are frazzled. They don't have this. They're running after these little blessings they're doing. And I'm like, why don't you just, uh, two things. And, we, and so our kids would go, oh, it's two things. And BJ, I know she's here this morning, but she was always the one who would come and say, oh, I've got an opportunity to play the violin. I said, awesome. I said, but you're already playing netball and you're already doing aerobics. So which one's going to go? And she'd be like, like, what do you mean? I say, what's the rule in the rainbow house? Two things. Mitchy, two things. Geordie, two things. BJ, two things. Mum and dad don't even have one thing, so like, think yourself lucky. But I get the temptation. And they go, okay, it's cool. Flood your eyelids all you want. Two things. So again, preoccupation. I love this uh, quote I read. It said, The innkeeper missed Jesus not because he created a rebellion and fought Jesus out. He didn't campaign to vote Jesus out. Oh, I just don't agree with this guy. I'm just going to vote it out. No, he simply crowded Jesus out. John Ortboy says this, Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life. For many of us, the great danger is not that we'll renounce our faith. It's that we'll become so distracted, rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of our faith. My question for myself and for you this morning is, is your busyness leaving you with no room for Jesus? Maybe it's time that you stop the activity and you focus on the nativity we just got to look at it and say, you know what? Just because I can doesn't mean I should. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. If you don't want to experience a Christmas this year, ask yourself, where is my life full of unnecessary activity that's leaving no room for Jesus? Second thing I see about the innkeeper is not only did he... Was he preoccupied? But he had the wrong priorities. Yeah. Yeah. It says, again, can you imagine? A heavily pregnant woman is standing before you. Her husband is saying, we have, I mean, she's, tra- she's heavily pregnant because she has the baby. She's travelled all day on a donkey. I mean, how comfortable you think that would have been? And she's standing before the innkeeper and he's saying to her, no, no, there's no room yeah. in his house. Again, I go back to the thought of, jerk, couldn't you have moved someone around? Like, couldn't you have done this? Couldn't you have done, surely, surely there was something you can do. But what it speaks to me was that for the innkeeper, Joseph and Mary weren't a high priority. He already had a full house. He had things happening. He was cool. Their needs weren't a priority to him. And before I was um, full-time here at church, I was a dental nurse. So in my former life, I was a dental nurse and often um, I was a receptionist as well as uh, the nurse and you would not go a day, a week, where somebody would ring with a dental emergency. Now, if you know anything about dentists, we have an appointment schedule and we book it from nine to five and it's just go to woe from the beginning to the end. So when somebody rings with a dental emergency, you have two options. You say, sorry there's no room in the inn, or you say, actually, let me take a look and see what I can do to be able to make space and room so that we can attend to your emergency. It was my responsibility to make space in the calendar, to make space in the um, appointments, to be able to find a dentist, find a chair and find the time. And you would do that. Why? Because a priority of relieving someone's pain was the top of our list it's like someone's ringing with an emergency it's a priority for us to see relief for them and it reminds me of a story about a a man he went into a hotel and he asked the clerk for the room and the clerk said sorry sir we're full we just don't have any more rooms the man said "Hmm. let me ask you a question if the prime minister were to come in tonight and ask for a room would you have one for him and the clerk said, oh, why, yes, sir, we would. And the man said, well, good news. He's not coming, so I'll take that room. <laughs> do you know what I've discovered? We'll make, we'll make time for what's a priority for us. We'll make room. Oh, I possibly couldn't do that. Hey, do you want to go out and see this? Oh, yeah, I can do that. My kids, oh, I'm so full. I couldn't eat my vegetables. Oh, so you don't want to ask him. Oh, no, there's room for that. It's like. We will make time and room for what is a priority. uh, We've spent 30 years leading here and we work with leaders and we do things and we have things like leaders' meetings. And often I'd have to sit with a leader and they'd say, oh, look, I can't come to the leaders' meeting. You know, I can't find a babysitter. And often my request is, hey, I understand that and let's look at that. But I'll also follow it up with this. If if you're going to go out to the movies you're going to go out on a date. If your husband said, hey, we've got a night away, would you find a babysitter then? And it's like, oh, I said, yeah, see, it's a matter of priority. How's this one? Maybe, you know what, I've stood on my, stood on my computer, sat on my computer for hours, got myself Taylor Swift tickets, got myself a Taylor Swift ticket, but oh, couldn't possibly get a ticket on Saturday night for the Christmas extravaganza or, or don't ask me to shout one for my friend or, um, you know what, I go to McDonald's every week because, you know, I've got a part-time job and I'm going to use my money to spend my way but oh, couldn't possibly actually think about tithing and putting God first in my finance. So like we make room for what's a priority to us. If you don't want to experience a Christmas this year, ask yourself, is this needed? Yeah. Actually, is, do I really need to do this? Yeah. Or maybe it is needed, but does it have to be me? Yeah. Like, do I actually have to do this? I have a saying that just because I can doesn't mean I should. Yeah. There's lots of things I can do. There's lots of news to you. There's lots of things you can do. But just because you can do them, are you the best person to do them? Should you be doing them? Is this the right time to do them? Yeah. I remember the story, my mum is a seamstress, and so for my 18th birthday, I got a sewing machine. That sucks as an 18-year-old. <laughs> she was great. I hated sewing. But, you know, I remember once Geordie came and we had to do a costume and I got a I. Made her a skirt, put a hem on it, put a hem on it, put a hem on it, put a waistband on it, and Geordie was like, like, how can you do this? I'm like, just because Mama can doesn't mean she should. Like, I can. There's lots of things I can do, but I ain't doing them because it's just not right. There's no room for other things for me if I did them. So what can only I do? It's just a great mantra that we have lived with in the Rainbow House and hopefully that helps you this Christmas so you don't have a Christmas. And lastly, what I learned from the innkeeper is he succumbed to other people's perception. The word, here's what you've got to understand, and that's why I use the NIV translation, because the word for in is the Greek word kataluma, which means guest room in a house. You see, they didn't actually have hotels or Airbnbs, no place you could rent. They couldn't phone ahead or make a booking. What they relied on was that families and people had rooms in their house, guest rooms, that when you travelled, they opened up for you. Now, take a note of this. This is the census. What was the census to go back to where? Your hometown. Yeah. This is what this tells me. Is Jacob, Jacob, Joseph and Mary were going back to his hometown. He was going home. Yeah. He was obviously relying on the fact he's got perhaps family, friends, acquaintances, people he knew. Who had rooms that they would open up to him. Somebody who knew Joseph said no. I think there's more going on here than the room is full. I think what's happening is someone is being challenged with what they think and what they believe. Someone has a preconceived idea. Someone is allowing the perceptions of others to dictate what they do. Here's why I think that. Because remember, Joseph and Mary aren't married. She is betrothed to him. God visits Mary, says you will be with child. Joseph himself was going to divorce her quietly and leave her until an angel said, no, 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 this is of me. So this whole narrative... Has gone before them. He goes back to his hometown expecting somebody is going to open up their home for him, which is a fair assumption. And he's met with preconceived ideas and the perception of others. Someone said, Oh, if I let you in, am I then condoning? Because remember, this is death by stoning. This is something they're very big on ceremonial cleanliness and making sure that, hey, if I touch or do anything wrong, then I can't go to the temple. So it's like, if I allow them into my home, do I become ceremonially unclean? Am I condoning this behaviour? I mean, at the end of the day, after the census is over, these blighters go off and I've still got to live in my community and what people now think about me because what there's a lot going on here. I think... We often experience a Christmas because of other people's perceptions. He was more concerned about his own reputation and what others thought than allowing and making room for Jesus. Now, before you get judgmental on our innkeeper, and before you think, jerk, how can you do that? Where have you succumbed to other people's perceptions or expectations? Where have you made decisions Based on what others expect of you, I don't want to do that, but I, there's no way I'm not going to do that because that's what's expected of me. Where have you spent? remember, Christmas is coming up. Where have you spent hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on gifts, just because someone else can, but you can't, afford to? Or you've gone to places or you've done things you don't want to, but because of the peer pressure or what people would think if you didn't. Where have you remained silent? Because if you speak up, people will think differently of you. If you don't want to experience a Christmas this year, you need to ask yourself, what is expected of me by God and what expectations are others putting on me? Let me put it this way. When I was younger and um, a first believer, and was going to church when it came to my very first Christmas day. I remember my family who aren't currently Christians saying, oh, you're not going to church on Christmas day. And I remember now it becomes a, okay. I was like, yes. And they're like, but it's family day. And I was like, yes. I said, hang on a second. I think I can go to church for one hour service and it still be family day. Let's sit, I'm not going to, I wasn't rude and I wasn't mean and I wasn't, I'll show you and Huffy. It was just like, hang on, I'm not going to back down, but let's sit down. This is one hour and you're percep- I'm not going to take your preconceived ideas or your perception and allow that to dictate to me and your expectations of what I should do and what I shouldn't do. I'm saying, I think there's a win-win here. And we've did that. I've done that ever since and we did it with our own kids. Christmas Day is, we start the day at church, which just meant, that we may have done either the kids learned to do presents after church or if we adjusted our lifestyle, we could do them at 4 a.m. in the morning before church. <laughs> Doesn't matter. The point is I'm going to put Christ first. I'm not going to allow the expectation just because the world tell me, oh, you can't do that. That's How will your kids feel? I'll tell you how they feel. They love getting their presents at 4 a.m. <laughs> They've been awake since 2 anyway, so <laughs> why not? It should be God's expectations should be reflected in our decisions, in our actions, in our priorities, our schedules, our finances, our relationships and ultimately our lives. We've got to look at our lives and say, oh, quite often it's families, societies or friends' expectations that are manifested and mirrored in those things that we've said. And so I've just, one of the the sayings that we've lived by in the Rainbow family is, in light of blank, is this wise? And so hopefully that will help you this morning. Hey, what is a God expectation that yes, no, I'm going to participate in that? Or what is an expectation that I'm living under that is not of God and it's causing me to say no to Jesus because I've got no room in my life? I'm going to invite the band up as I can close this morning. But do you know what I feel is the saddest thing in this whole narrative? And it's verse 7. And I'm going to cry as I think about it. It says, Mary, she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Do you know what? There was no one to help Mary deliver her baby. She was alone. No midwife, no friend. I mean, the innkeeper didn't even have the good sense to send his wife to give her a hand. What a tragedy that Mary, at one of the most blessed times of a woman's life, who should have been surrounded by the sisterhood, Because you think about it, in that culture, in that time, the delivery of a baby was a family affair. The women of the village came and supported and helped. And here's a woman who's got Jesus and she's doing it herself. So what I take from that is that when we don't make room for Jesus, it has ramifications on those around us. Who knows the opportunities that God has got for others through you this Christmas? Who knows what He is wanting to release in and through you if we would make room for Him? So let this Christmas not be like the innkeeper who was too preoccupied, who was had the wrong priorities, or who just bowed to the perception of others. But can we be like young Wallace Perling? Wallace was a nine-year-old boy who was big for his age, clumsy, and a little slower mentally than his peers. At the annual Christmas play, he landed the role of the innkeeper. On the night of the play, He was determined to do a good job as he'd been rehearsing his lines over and over and over again. On cue, when Joseph and Mary knocked on the inn door, he opened it and with a loud, gruff voice said, What do you want? We seek lodging, replied Joseph. Seek it elsewhere, said Wally. The inn is full. Joseph pleaded again. Please, sir, we are so tired. Mary's going to have a baby. You must have some place to rest. No, be gone, Wally repeated. But he'd lost some of his bravado. Joseph put his arm around Mary, and as they turned wearily away to leave, Wally's eyes filled with tears, and suddenly something happened that made this play different from all the rest. Wait, wait, (laughs) don't go, yelled Wally. You can have my room. Do you know the world is waiting for us to yell, wait, wait, don't go. You can have my room. I don't want this year or any year to be another Christ-miss where we go through the traditions, we go through just the plethora of just doing things through the motions. But can this be a year where we say, God, I want to open myself up. I don't want to have the no vacancy sign blaring on my front door, but I want to make sure I've got the right priorities, make sure that I'm not preoccupied, make sure I'm not concerned about the perception of others. I want to keep room in my life for you because when I keep room in my life for you, it has a positive ramification and opportunity to make room in someone else's life for them to meet Jesus. And I'd love the opportunity this morning to pray for each and every one of us. I understand that this, I use this as a Christmas message, but this is a message for all year. It's just that at Christmas, we, it's, everything is exemplified. Everything's just exaggerated. It's even more highlighted. So my prayer is that it's not just that we would find Jesus at Christmas, but we'd find Jesus all year. And I'm just going to ask, would you please bow your heads? And I'd love to pray for us. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to be able to share Your Word. And I pray for myself and everyone here where we've got our priorities out of whack, where we've just allowed ourselves to be dictated to by people's perceptions, societies, families, work, whatever it is, where we've bowed to other expectations rather than yours, where we've been so preoccupied with the things that have to be done rather than you who we're supposed to be doing them for. I just ask that you'd forgive us that we would be able to hear and see where it is You want us to make adjustment. You give us the grace and the strength to make that adjustment. And as we do, we ask Holy Spirit, won't You come in and flood our lives and give us opportunity to not only make room in our lives, but when we do that, would You give us opportunities this Christmas season to be able to help others also not experience a Christmas Mess? And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.